0: In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to guess what I have here in front of me. You've been getting them at a rate of about four or five a day probably in your mailboxes for many weeks. What are they? They are Christmas catalogs, advertisements. It is a season to be discontent. Marketers have been planning for months To create, I want lists, I've got to have lists. You know, it's difficult being content in America anytime. But it's particularly hard to be content during this Christmas season. So please take out the sermon notes that have been prepared for you. See, there's nothing wrong with the desire to acquire. In your notes, it's good, the desire to acquire God gave you the desire to acquire. See, God made little squirrels and gave them the desire to acquire nuts. God made little birdies and gave them the desire to acquire straw to build their nests. God filled the world with wonderful, fantastic things, and he gives you the desire to acquire them. So there's nothing wrong with the desire to acquire. But in your notes, it is bad. It is bad to have an uncontrolled desire to acquire. An uncontrolled desire to acquire that is out of control is called coveting in the Bible. Today we call that materialism. When materialism is out of control, it causes all kinds of problems in your life. Look at Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6. Solomon writes, It is better to be content with what you have. Otherwise you will always be struggling for more. And that is like chasing the wind. Coveting is always struggling for more. Today we want to look at four negative problems with coveting. So number one in your notes. Always wanting more causes fatigue. The race to get more drives you to overwork. Just look at Proverbs 23, verse 4. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. This is very visible in America. I just got to have more. It's a rat race. Got to keep up with the Joneses. In your nose, about the time that I catch up with the Joneses, they refinance. I saw a sign the other day that says, don't worry about the Joneses, they just filed chapter 13. Would you agree that fatigue is the result of just wanting more and more? Coveting causes fatigue. Number two in your notes, always wanting more causes debt. We live beyond our means. Coveting destroys budgets. Always wanting more causes debt. Look at Ecclesiastes 5 verse 11. The more you have, the more you spend. A Milton Bradley game is called in your notes the Mall of Madness. Mall Madness. The description on the box says about Mall Madness. You'll be the first to lose all your money. You're to let loose in the shopping mall with 200 bucks. Go to it, spend it all, empty your pockets first, and you win the game. When you have spent every cent your marker moves triumphantly into the winner's space that's labeled broke. And you win. Recent studies show that when they survey teenage girls, they ask, what is the number one thing you like to do? 93% of them said shop. Even beat out dating, shopping. Shop till you drop. One guy said if my wife does not go to the mall at least three times a week, I send her a get well card. We think the problem is we don't make enough. The problem is not that we don't make enough. The problem is in your notes that we spend, we want to spend too much. Too often we confuse need with greed. You don't need everything that you dream of having. I've said this before, we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to just impress people that we don't even like. If the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you can bet that water bill is higher too. One guy said, I am today starving on a salary that I once dreamed of. We always want more. Always wanting more and more causes fatigue. Always wanting more causes debt. Number three in your notes. Always wanting more causes conflict. When you add fatigue and debt together, you're going to get conflict. James tells us in James 4 verse 1. Do you know where your fights, your arguments come from? They come from the selfish desires that war within you. See, it's no secret that the number one cause of divorce is financial tension. Because we want more than we can afford. It causes tensions. When I want what you have, it causes conflict. When I want your car, your boat, your house, your position, it causes conflict. And Christians even fall into coveting. In your notes, coveting is being very subtle here. Like the woman who said, I wish I had a husband like yours. That's coveting, pure and simple. Number four in your notes. Always wanting more causes dissatisfaction. Look at Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. You will never be satisfied if you long to be rich. You will never get all you want. Circle that phrase, never be satisfied. The greatest cause of discontent is coveting. Always wanting more. There's no doubt about it. Things can cause happiness, but only for for a brief time. It just doesn't last. The thrills wear off. The fun goes away. The joy of things, they vanish. How many of you still are thrilled with your Christmas gifts that you got last Christmas? In fact, how many of you even remember what you got last Christmas? One of the things about our society... Is that we have made great technological advances. In your notes, the entire tech industry is programmed in your notes to create discontent. Yeah, it leads to dissatisfaction. As soon as you buy an item, next week they come out with a bigger, a better, and a newer model. You buy a computer program, the next week they come out with a 3.4 version. It's always being updated. There's always a little bell or a whistle that they're adding. You just can't keep up. The entire industry is programmed to create discontent. You always want more. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 27. Greedy people bring trouble to their families. So, what is the secret of contentment? What is the antidote? And you notice the secret to contentment is to learn, is learning. Look at Philippians 4, verse 12. Read it with me together out loud. Paul writes, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Notice there that contentment is something you learn. It's not automatic. It's not natural for me to be content. It's not natural for you to be content. We're not naturally content as human beings. We are naturally discontent. So Paul says that contentment is something you have to learn. It's simply a Christian virtue that we all have got to learn. How do you do it? Well, the Bible says three things about learning contentment. Number one, the first step, being content. And you know it says be grateful. Appreciate what God has given to you already. I need to open my eyes and see how much I have already been blessed with. Everything I have is a gift from God. Look at Ecclesiastes 5, verse 19. If God gives a man wealth and property, he should be what? Grateful, enjoy what he has. It is a gift from God. Circle that word, grateful. That's the attitude that God wants you to have towards your possessions. He wants you to be grateful for them, to enjoy them. Now, the reason that we're not grateful for things, the reason that we do not enjoy things that we already have, is in your notes. We get ourselves into what I call a when and then thinking. We actually get into a when and then thinking trap. When and then goes like this. No, when I get older, then I'll be happy. When I get that promotion, then I'll be happy. When I make that big sale, then I'll be happy. When I close this deal, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy. When I get out of this marriage, then I'll be happy. When I have kids, then I'll be happy. When the kids go away, then I'll be happy. When and then, thinking just does not work. Will doubling your present income make you happy? No, it won't. Will doubling the size of your house make you happy? no, it'll double your payments but it won't double your happiness happiness is not getting everything you want see our sermon in one sentence is in your notes, happiness just is enjoying what you already have God enjoys watching God enjoys watching you enjoy what he has already given you see just as a parent you give your kids and you enjoy watching your kids enjoy what you have given to them So your Heavenly Father looks down and he wants to see you enjoying what you have already got and not constantly grasping to get something more because that is not gratitude. Why are we not more grateful? The key in your notes to a grateful heart is don't compare. It's stupid to compare. Look at 2 Corinthians 10 where Paul says, We do not dare to classify or to compare ourselves. It is not wise. So it's dumb to compare jobs. It's dumb to compare your income. Compare cars and homes. Why? Because you will always, always find somebody who's making more money than you are. And then you'll be envious. And you're always going to find somebody that you're making more than yourself than they are. And you'll get full of human pride. Both are wrong. So God says, don't compare. Let me give you a little secret to life. In your notes, learn to admire without having to acquire. I have learned that you do not have to own everything in order to enjoy it. If the only things you enjoy in life are the things you own, you will be miserable. A significant part of your life because you cannot own everything no matter how much you make. So in fact, you don't even have to make payments on things just to enjoy them. Learn to admire without having to acquire. Then number two, the second step in being content in your nose, be generous. See, God wants does not want you to bless you just for your own selfish purposes. God wants you to bless you so you can share. God wants you to give it away. But look at 1 Timothy 6 where Paul says, Tell those who are rich not to be proud and not to trust in their money which will soon be gone. Tell them to use their money to what? Do good. And to give generously to those in need. The phrase those who are rich refers to every person who is here. The poorest person in the United States is rich compared to the rest of the world. Most of the world is actually worried about where they're going to get their next meal from. So God encourages you to make as much money as you can as long as you, number one, that you don't become proud of it. Number two, you do not trust alone in your money. Or number three, you use your money to do good for others. And number four, you give generously to those in need. Materialism is about getting more and more. But the opposite of materialism, of getting... In your notes is giving. So every time you give, you are generous with your time, your energy, your talents. Then you are winning in the battle against materialism. Giving breaks the grip of materialism on your life. I just heard this week that if pro is the opposite of con, then in your notes progress must be the opposite of congress. Just a thought. Makes sense to me. Being content, first of all, be grateful. Number two, sec- second step, be generous. Number three, the third step in being content. In your notes is be godly. What am I saying by that? I'm saying that you need to maintain a godly perspective on your possessions. Looking at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, we fix our attention. Not on things that are seen, but on things that are Unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time. What cannot be seen lasts forever. So Paul is saying here that there are two realities in life, the seen world, the material world, and there is the unseen, the immaterial world. And God is saying that nothing you see is going to last. Everything, your cars, your furniture, your computer, is going to eventually rust and decay and deteriorate and wear out. Nothing is going to last. On the other hand, the things that really count in life are the things that cannot be seen. Like your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. You're to fix your eyes and give your attention to eternal priorities. In your notes, know the greatest things in life there are not things that's so easy to forget. Forget when you have a stack of Christmas catalogs in front of you in your mailbox daily advertisements say that the whole purpose of life is just to get some more things it's life and liberty and the purchase of happiness but God says no way so in conclusion we need some checkups I think as we wrap up the Christmas season the thing we ask ourselves is what do I spend most of my time thinking about what's my primary goal in life is it just to get a little more What do I spend most of my time talking about? What am I living for? And we don't confuse in your notes, don't confuse what you are living on with what you're living for. Seek to invest in serving God and in serving the needs of other people. Look at Psalm 17, verse 15. Please read it with me together, out loud. As for me, my contentment is not in wealth, but in seeing God and knowing that all is well between us. So then are you listening to Christ? Or are you listening to culture? Are you listening to Madison Avenue? Or are you listening to your master, Jesus? Three steps to real contentment. See, because Jesus suffered and died on the cross for you, because Jesus has opened the door of heaven to those who believe in him, you can, number one, be grateful Number two, you can be generous. And number three, you can be godly. Amen.